Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There's a cat over here. There's a cat over there. And the wrong one died. And the wrong one died. Welcome to The Wrong Cat Died, the podcast breakdown of Cat Sashavi. I'm your host, Mike Abrams, and today we have another amazing guest. He was McCavity on the U.S. National Tour 6 of Cats, and I'm very excited to talk to him. So, welcome, Aiden Presslin. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super, super excited. Yeah, I'm very excited. I, I've talked to a lot of your your six cast over the years and did a film with the most recent group and then talked to a couple from your group. And it's been uh, awesome to chat with you all because, you know, it's, it's a little fresh too, but I haven't yeah. talked to too many McCavities. Mm. Um, but before we get into my McCavity questions, uh, let's start at the beginning. When was the first time you saw the show? Was it the 98 movie? Kind of like, what was your experience and introduction to Cats? Totally. Uh, funny enough, I've never actually seen the show um, before I was in the show, but my dad was a super big fan. Um, he's a theater nerd, love him to death, and Cats is one of his favorite shows. So when the opportunity came about, I was like, of course, I have to. And I mean, as a dancer, it's, it's a dream show. Uh, but I first got involved with Cats my junior year of college when I did the non-equity promotional video mm -hmm. because the tour went non-equity it had to have a new promotional video because you can't have equity actors promoting a non-equity show yeah but um yeah so that was my first my first moment with them uh, i got to work with kim craven who ended up restaging our show and that was super cool and then in the promotional i was corico pat so i was one of the twins and then there was a question from casting if i was ever interested in you know, going in for the tour that was supposed to be coming in 2020, but I was going to be a senior in college, so it wasn't going to work out timing wise. And then we had the pandemic <laughs> happen. So it pushed everything back a year. And when casting started to come out post pandemic for us tour six, they emailed me and they were like, are you still interested in this? And I was like, of course, of course, of course. So yeah, that was a, a very interesting process. I feel like it was a bit different than others, but um, it was super, super fun. Yeah. So I'm, I've never heard. So the, they had you had to record an entire promotional video because the equity tour can't be part. Like you can't use that in the tour because they're equity. Mm -hmm. And so you were basically brought in just to put on the unitard and dance for a little bit just for a video, but not actually cast at that moment. Literally. So I went in and did the promotional video and i think all i did was like three dances two like sharp looks and a little like claw moment and that was that it was a quick like six hour shoot the team was really awesome and nobody that was on from what i know nobody that was in that commercial with me ended up on the tour i think some of them had done wow. the tour previously or had been associated with the show previously but yeah no there was no 
idea that this was leading to a tour. It was just like a one-off thing, which was fun. Yeah. So, so you've <laughs> never done the show, never seen the show. <laughs> just know that your dad loves it. Yeah. And you get to come in and shoot the promotional video. Yeah. A year before you actually go on, you know, get cast and go on tour. What a wild experience. Like, what an interesting introduction. I know. It's crazy, too, because it's, um, I feel like it's not usually how it goes. You know, like, I, I feel like the audition process is usually a lot, a lot different. And I felt like it was very calm, cool, calm and collected for me, which was really, really nice. Because this was a world, musical theater in general is a world that I was stepping into for the first time in, like, such a professional setting. And then like what I would call like the big leagues, like a national tour, you know, I never thought to myself that that would be a, a reality. So it was a very, very interesting journey. Um, but yeah, it was very, very fun. Yeah. I actually never thought about that angle of it, of like, before you go on tour, since it is starting, they have to, you have to shoot like ads before anybody actually gets in costume and mm -hmm. dressed up and goes. And so you have like, you just bring in people and since you're in cat costume anyways, it's not like it, you can tell, it's not like you, you can't do, you know, with a superstar headliner act, you can't throw in somebody else and, you know, not in costume because yeah. it's cats. So I, I never really thought about that angle. And so it's such an interesting and unique piece of like, you did it, not even the cat you played and that led to likely your contract. Yeah. And I think from there too, like when the post pandemic, when they were casting the tour again because everything got delayed it was super exciting i just got an email out of the blue and i always say this to my friends i feel like in this industry it just takes one email or one phone call and like everything changes and i remember i was yeah. like finishing up finals or something and i got an email are you interested and i was like yeah and then it just started what became like a 14 15 month journey with this show wow yeah i mean it is such a it's a different world. Like I've never lived in the world, so I don't even know how, like <laughs> I've never auditioned or, or made a self tape or done any of this stuff. And so it's like, you hear all these crazy audition stories, but it also does feel a little bit of a, who do you know type of industry because the casting directors are sometimes, especially in Andrew and Weber shows, it seems like it's a lot of the same people. Yeah. And so if you know one, like there's a huge crossover to phantom and there's huge crossover to other shows because it's the same people. And it's like, well, you're not going to be great for this role but you'd be perfect over here in cats or perfect over here in phantom. And they, they kind of keep you, you in mind. Yeah. And I think the interesting thing that I didn't realize with casting for an Andrew Lloyd Webber show is that when I was going through the entire process and I was being submitted by the U S team to Andrew's team, like I had already gotten the, the green light from the people I was in the room with, but then it goes over to London and that entire team has to approve you as well. And so there was a fear because like, I knew I was being submitted, but then I also knew there was a potential that the team in London would be like, no, thank you. You know, it's like, <laughs> we want someone else, which is really scary. Cause it's like, you work so hard and you're like, oh, I'm so close. And, but fortunately, and like, again, changed my life. So the show really did super blessed that everything came, came to be. And then come August, 2021, I was in Syracuse learning this show. <laughs> Yeah. So with the commercial, it said it's a six hour shoot. How much like Coracopat has a very like it has a vibe. And like, did they give you any personality or like type of acting? Or was it purely just like do this dance number and that's all we need? Like, were you given anything from that? I mean, yes and no. Of course they give you a bit of insight. Like I knew 
I was a twin. I knew we were telepathic. And the person that I was, that was my 10th mile on the shoot, like we had gone to school together. So we had some sort of, you know, relationship okay. and, and trust with each other. But it, it's really fast. And it's not something where you're diving really deep into character. Quite literally, one of the shoots is like, an arm drag across and like changing your focus. Another one, you do like a single attitude turn. You know, it's not like you're doing full dance numbers. And the interesting part too was that um, the longest part of the day was just being in makeup and like, yeah, and, just get, get like getting in there and they're like, yeah, please show up like an hour or something early. And then I'm sitting in the chair and, you know, you put on that unitard and the wig and all of this. For the first time, and you look in the mirror, and you're like, "I have no idea who I am." Like, yeah. you know, you can't even see the human in you. Yeah. So let's fast forward now. Now you're in Syracuse, and mm-hmm. you're not Corcobat. You're not one of the twins. Your cast is McCavity. Yeah. What was that experience like? And then I always love to hear, like, what what do you remember of the storytelling they tell you? Of like, what do they tell you about McCavity? What do they tell you about it? the whole Jellicles and all of the craziness of the not the dancing and the, you know, the lore of the show, but just like the actual backstory that you need to know to tell the plot. Yeah. So it was really interesting. So we had Chrissy Cartwright, which, um, is one of Andrew Lloyd Webber's, like Mm -hmm. she's an icon. Um, and she came in one day and we had a whole presentation. I remember it being like two, three hours and just going through every single cat and what exactly we were supposed to portray as that cat and how they fit into the bigger picture. And so it was cool for me because I got to be Plato and McCavity, um, for casting mm-hmm. reasons. They don't have someone separate. You're always the same character. So I always said it was princely Plato. You know, he's, he's the prince and kind to everyone and, you know, flirtatious and fun, but like a teenager. You know, and then you get to do a little quick change and jump into McCavity, which is quote unquote the super villain, but also is just a really fun track to jump into because it it is such a contrast of like being Plato and being pretty and you know, doing all these lifts and then all of a sudden you're terrorizing the tribe. Um but it was a thing with casting or with Chrissy just explaining that, you know, McCavity has a history that we don't get to see in the show, has a history mm-hmm. with so many of these cats that we we never really know about or get to hear about. But then when he comes on that stage and like using that distraction to like get away and trying to just wreak havoc was really fun to jump into because it's not a character that I would like align with personally. Yeah. You know, and it's a you're not, you're not hmm. a super villain for no. <laughs> And it's a quick, like, you're only on stage as McCavity for really maybe a minute. So it's, it's like empty the gas tank, give it everything you've got, you know, terrorize the tribe and then leave. Yeah. <laughs> so the, so that's the part that I am fascinated by is like, you're given this snippet of there's a history with all these other cats, but are you given that history or is it just like, that's kind of all you need to know. And then now go, go make it your own. Like, how does that, like, how much does Chrissy tell you about like, with Demeter, there's this you know, level of, of like relationship and with Bombay Arena, there's this, and there's this with Tugger. Like, how is that? Like, does it go that deep or is it just a, you need to know if there's history? No, it goes, it goes very, very deep. I actually was looking before we were going to record today for my notes. Cause I took notes on the whole thing. Cause you know, getting into the show, 
I had a general idea because they give you a little like overview so that you have some sort of idea of what's going on, you know, and there's so many like theories of what the show is about or what it's not about or like yeah. what it's trying to say or not trying to say. And so when Chrissy came in and gave us that three hour like info session, it really was character by character and it, it, and it would go and be like, oh, so-and-so is interacting with these people because of this reason and this is their back history and this and this and this. But then beyond that, once you're with your tribe, you know, you have that outline, but as a tribe and a community and a tour together, you kind of form your own, you know, mark on what that relationship is. You know, you're not changing it. I'm not coming out and as McCavity and being like, oh, all of a sudden I'm like super kind and love everyone, yeah. you know, yeah. but you find, you find like where you can push, where you can pull back, like where you can really play off of people and like what is specific to your McCavity, what's specific to your cat in general. And that is one of the most fun parts because it kind of changes through the tour too, you know, like when you're in a city and you're maybe a little bit like frustrated that day or like you have a lot of energy, like, McCavity is a little bit, you know, bigger and, and meaner and cruel and, and like really fighting. Um, but yeah, it, it's interesting. Yeah. I also feel like there's probably on tour, you have like, it's almost a family dynamic and there's going to be days where you're just like a little more annoyed with this person <laughs> and then a little bit more like, oh, we're having a really great day. And you're just, you know, people uh, on tour, you're just performers. Then you get on stage and it's like, no, wait, hold on. I'm supposed to be mad at this person or I'm supposed to be really mean to this person. And I feel like that probably what makes theater so cool is that it's different every day and there's it's live is that you probably had some of those nuances where you're just like, oh, I'm supposed to play this here, but I'm not going to change the story, but I'm going to be a little bit more friendly to this person today because we had a really great day doing X in the morning, you know, type of thing. Of course. Yeah. I think too, it's a big morale show, you know, so because we have to play off of each other so much and because we're on the stage so much and there's so many moments of improv with other cats, like depending on the energy of the day of the entire group, you know, the, again, the show is not different. It's just little nuances that are different. You know, maybe as Plato, mm -hmm. when we're listening, when we're listening to Gusta theater cat, we're like, you know, listening intently to him, but like maybe we're playing a little bit, like playing with each other's tails or, or maybe one day we're like very focused and listening, or maybe another day, you know, we're like rolling mm -hmm. around a little bit and distracted. And those are the moments that are really fun and like, keep it fresh. Yeah. What's the split of time that you're Plato versus McCavity? Uh, I am Plato the entire first act and for Augusta theater cat, the beginning of the second act. And then I do a quick change during Peaks and Pollicles and Gimbal um, Shanks, the Railway Cat. Then I come out and I take away Old Deuteronomy. Mm -hmm. I wait for another second and then I do the little, the little attack of Monka Strap. So honestly, I feel like it's like 99% Play-Doh and 1% McCavity. Yeah. yeah. And then do you go, you don't go back though. You're McCavity through from that point forward no after the fight and you leave you quick change back into plato to come you go out back to plato yeah and it's like a so the thing is is that like plato has the base makeup and then you add orange mm -hmm. and black and change your wig change the entire costume and then when we come back we wipe it all off redo the plato makeup 
<laughs> put the wig back on and take off the unitard because for Plato, you don't fully take off the unitard and put another one on. You're putting it on top of it. So you're just taking yes. off like your furs. And then when I first come out as like disguised old Deuteronomy, I have my Plato unitard, I have my McCavity unitard, and then I have the old Deuteronomy coat and mask. And I remember wow. that was always like the, the hottest part of the show. Like you're dripping in sweat and you're like, I can't wait for this coat to get ripped off. So I can like breathe, you know, see where I'm going. That is fascinating. Cause you know, I think what's also interesting about it is there's so much more that I've thought about McCavity than Plato because there's a, such a bigger part of the story as the villain. But then it's like, oh wait, you're, you're Plato like 99% of the time. Mm -hmm. McCavity is just like this figure that comes in for a little bit and then is back out, but has such a lasting moment because of the, like the story that uh, the part that they play in the story. Mm -hmm. And it's so a, then let's dive more into Plato. Yeah. I don't, I don't like, I don't think I've spent any time out, Plato. I've always just said, oh, it's Plato McCavity. And it's like, it's a totally different cat that doesn't, that doesn't get as I'm assuming more kittenish, but doesn't get as much of the, um, the spec story kind of written for them as, as McCavity does. Yeah. And I think the thing that I really, really loved about Plato, um, it felt more like myself, you know, it felt like I, yeah. could, as a human being, I could align with it a bit more than the super villain, super villain, but Plato is, is wonderful. You know, he's kind to everyone. He's protective. He's curious about things, but also like very, very playful. And the thing that's really great about him is he and Victoria get to have a little love story, you know, and get to, they're mm. always by each other's side. They're always like looking out for each other and they get to do the beautiful paw at the middle of the Jellicle ball with this famous over the head lift and all of that. And it was cool too, because, um, growing up the actress who played Victoria was like a, a great friend of mine. And so when I walked into the room on the first day, I was like, oh my gosh, Hyla, how are you? Like, hello, who are you? Yeah. Like, what's, what's going on? She's like, oh, I'm Victoria. And from that moment on, I, I just got so excited because we already had that connection. It wasn't like a new partner that I had to figure, figure out a lot of things with. We had that instant like connection, that comfortability with each other. And I think it really shined through and we had a lot, a lot of fun. Yeah. Hyla's awesome. I, I had her on uh, a little bit back. I, I'm, so Plato does the lift, mm -hmm. like the essentially the coming of age moment for yes. for Victoria. Um, but that's not always been the case, right? Because it's been Alonzo in the past. It's been other kittens in the past. So that's kind of again also another interesting part of adding to Plato's story is now you get this like kind of big moment that wasn't there in the original choreography and early on when it was Alonzo and I think somebody else has done it in the past. Mm -hmm. But I think it's. I mean, I'm grateful for the opportunity. That's literally yeah, like yeah. one of my favorite, favorite parts of the show is that paw when um, Victoria and Plato get on the ground and, you know, they're nuzzling with each other and they do this beautiful paw and the lift and like the spotlight's on you and you're kind of getting nervous because you're like, oh, is the lift going to happen tonight? And it always does. But, you know, like yeah. with the fear of everything and the excitement. Um, but it's also, I think it was really special to me again, because I got to share it with someone who I cared so dearly for, you know, and had a history with. And so I don't know, it was great. And I like, I would yeah. not have asked for any different partner. Like I love Hyla to death. So that moment is supposed to be Victoria essentially losing her virginity. Mm -hmm. 
is Poito losing his virginity in that moment? Was that even spoken about? I don't think we've ever talked about that necessarily. I think in my mind, yeah, I would say so, yes. I I think in the way that the story is, probably not. I feel like yeah. he's a cat that like definitely already has been through that and experienced that. But from my internal dialogue, thinking back now, I felt more like they were sharing this moment together and that's what made it mm-hmm. so, you know, special and and unique and um Yeah. Yeah. I this is I'm the only person asking these questions in the entire world, so don't worry, no one's thought about that. I, I'm always just curious though of like because I've heard pockets of like Chrissy said this or some like or Kim said this and you know Trevor said this back in the older days, but then there's so many other things I'm like, but did they say about this or was this just like interpreted or just added or just kind of like there? Like I the the fascination for me is understanding what is given versus what has to be added in a story that you can't cover everything. Yeah. Like there's no way to give everything for this. Um, and that's what makes it so unique and why we can have these conversations is because there are so many liberties to take without changing the material. Totally. And I think a lot of it's the internal dialogue because I know for sure, mm-hmm. like even on the tour, everyone has their own theories of relationships and things and yeah. all that. And like we take what we were given and, you know, try to really stay true to that. And I think we do, but at the same time, you know, what are you kind of telling yourself and what what about that character are you most drawn to? And like, what are you going to play the most of, you know, mm-hmm. like for me so, again, yeah. it was, it was princely Plato, like trying to be super kind. But then again, I, I was talking to some friends and I think that my Plato came off a bit flamboyant. Like I think in the way that mm. I, my stature and all of that, I think it came off uh, more flamboyant than, than I had thought, you know? We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back for more of The Wrong Cat Died. I want to ask you about one particular line in McCavity's mm-hmm. song that I, I think about a lot. And if, you, if you've thought about it at all. But there's a line that he's broken every human law. Mm. And that line opens up, I think, a very, very interesting... I, I mostly think about it because it can be memed a lot. But it's a it's such a bizarre thing to have written into the poem that then also then when you think about it, it's like, okay, well, this is super, super villain, but every human law includes every single human law. And I kind of always joke like the ends of the spectrum are murder Mm -hmm. or like running a red light, you know, or jaywalk, (laughs) you know, like what is like, what is, what does that look like in between? And like, do you think about that at all in your, I guess, three minutes on stage as McCavity of like, super villain i'm literally capable of doing anything because i've broken every human law to be honest i've never thought about that exactly i'm usually backstage when mccavity is happening and like feverishly trying to get the wig on and figure everything out and my shoelace is ripping and all this all that but but thinking about it now um i just think it's a testament to the amount of power he has you know yeah which is and again, is something interesting to play with because you don't want to push it too far and, and make people, you don't want people to like you, but you also don't want people to be completely turned off by you. You want there to be some sort of interest there and some sort of like amazement with, with you, even though you are the supervillain. And I think that the big thing is like breaking every human law, the fact that he always gets away with it. There will never be, yeah. he will never be caught. He's always two he, steps, 10 steps ahead. 
you know? And so, and I think he knows that. So he knows he can get away with it and he knows he can do the whole hypnosis on the entire tribe and then run away and act like nothing happened. And then when he's bored, come back and terrorize them again. Yeah. He's also still, he's part of the tribe, right? Like it's, so it is like a family member that is, is not great. You know, he's the one that whenever somebody asks you about, you're like, oh yeah, uncle, (laughs) uncle McCavity. You know, like, like, you know, of course, you know, everyone knows the, like, why they're asking you is because it's the villain, but it's also still family. And so it's like, yeah, they're, they, they've done some stuff, but like, they're still part of our tribe. And there is a flavor of McCavity wanting to be the choice mm. to be reborn. So it is a very interesting dynamic of that, of like, like you said, you don't want to be so hated, but you also need to be scary enough because that like, you are the the villain. Yeah. And that was another thing, again our own thoughts as the cast, or I guess I should be for myself. My own thoughts as the cast is that monkey strap tugger and McCavity are all brothers. And mm-hmm. in my mind, monkey strap is obviously the oldest one. I think that tugger is the middle cause he's the goofy fun middle, you know, he is what he is tugger, the whole other being. And then McCavity is the jealous young one. The one that like looks up and sees that they have this power. And sees that they have this charisma and it's kind of like the evil mixture of both of them and will do anything to get that oh, recognition and to like get that approval, but he never will. <laughs> but then he comes and he fights his brother. And I, I get your, yeah, I get your order. I would have almost thought the reverse. The McCavity is the oldest mm. and like the one that, that didn't want brothers ended up with brothers and kind of took it out on. You know, of course, with if if we do flip them in order, Tugger's the next, and then. But I think you're probably right though, because if Monk's truly like the next in line, like there's probably got to be the oldest. Um, yeah. And so you're, I think you're you're probably right. But then that's the other thing. Yeah, too. Then he does fight his brother. <laughs> <laughs> and jumping back to Plato really quick, just with dynamics and things, I remember it was said that of course Monkestrap is next in line, but then there was a theory that Alonzo was right behind Monkestrap, like to be after him. Mm-hmm. But in my mind, Plato was always after Monkestrap. You know, he's a bit too young and he won't be the leader of the tribe anytime soon. But I felt like I tried to embody that at least a little bit or like think about that of like, I would want to be, you know, a leader of this tribe. I would want to be the one like helping everything go along. I'm just very young. <laughs> yeah. So I, how... How long do you think old Deuteronomy has left? Like, I, it, that is an interesting question in itself of like, if, if it's kind of universally accepted that Monk is next, like when is, how much longer is he going? Like, he seems almost like he's never going to die. Yeah. I would say, I think he has two or three more jellicle balls. Okay. So I just think, a couple. Does I he think, kill himself eventually? I don't know. I feel like, I feel like it's one of those things where, it's a part of the story that we've never, we will never know because it, it will never be written. But I feel like in my mind, there comes a part where old Deuteronomy finally feels comfortable enough with letting Munkastrap take the lead that he finally allows himself to rest and mm-hmm. finally allows himself to like let control go and, and be done and like, you know, surrender to natural causes and and all of that. But I think it's still, he's going to stick around until he feels comfortable enough to have Monkestrap lead. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I just don't, 
I don't see him leave. Like, I don't know. Like, there is a, if you think about the whole tribe in general, and like the fact that it is an annual process of like sacrificing somebody, you kind of like can go for the next couple of years and then you almost run out and it's like, well, who was reborn? <laughs> and then when does he come? And yeah. who was previous? And there's just like, it's, it's a never ending loop. And I did love somebody in the fifth tour kind of joke that tour on for, for a while that this was actually just old Deuteronomy's way as a serial killer to, to hide his, <laughs> his killings. So part of me is like, no, he's not leaving until he gets caught, you know, type of thing. But, yeah. Um, let's do some rapid fire, um, around the show. So if you could play any character for one night, male, female, whether you could do it, not do it, vocal range, anyway, if you, if just, if you could go on for one night as one cat, who would you want to go on for? Demeter. Demeter. Mm-hmm. Love it. Such yeah. a fun number. You want to sing your number? I mean, I don't know if I necessarily want to sing it. I just would <laughs> love to be Demeter and, and just jump into that world and i guess selfishly i would really like to be in mccavity like i would love to yeah i don't know about singing it i mean of course i would sing it but that's not the first thing that comes to mind but just being a part of that powerhouse number i would always change as fast as i could so i could watch as much of mccavity as i could yeah um and i also i feel like i was so blessed to get to watch both chelsea and lauren every night as bomb and demeter and just yeah i was always in awe and I think that track is just something I would love, love, love to dive into. Yeah, it's uh, it's probably one of my favorite songs on the show. Just like it's kind of sticks with you. Like even even just the music, like forget the dance number. The dance number is obviously very sexual and like kind of risque at moments. But the the song just like really sticks. Mm-hmm. Um, who are your favorite and least favorite cats in the show? Ignoring actors and performers, just personality cat wise. Um, my least favorite is Tugger. I just, yeah, my least favorite is Tugger. And my most favorite is, honestly, I love Gus the Theater Cat. Okay. Or Jelly Lorem. Honestly, it's a tie. Or Jenny Any Dots. Honestly, it's a three-way tie. Like, those three, to me, I'll say Gus the Theater Cat. I just really, okay. like, I adore that song. It's my favorite song in the show. Like, is, um, well, that's my next question was, what's your favorite song in the show? Yeah, so Gus the Theater it's, Cat. It's Gus. Is some of this tied to, do you feel like your hate of Tucker is, comes from your McCavity? Like, like did doing McCavity for a year all of a sudden be like, oh my God, my brother, I can't stand him. <laughs> I feel like a little bit. I think it's also, Tucker's hard. Tucker's like one of the hardest numbers in the show. It is, yeah. uh, it is a grab your inhaler and let go. And it's one of the most fun, but then, you know, the annoyance you have of Tugger is like internalized a bit, you know, cause every night you have to be like, Oh, here's Tugger again, you know, like the actors who we had on the tour who were Tugger, unbelievable. So incredible, of course. But then I think you also internalize a little bit of that, like, oh, we keep brushing him off, keep brushing him off. And then a little bit, you start to like, believe it, <laughs> but, um, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, if one cat was going to be the villain besides McCavity, who do you think could step into that role best? Honestly, I have two answers. I think the most interesting person that could step in would be Cassandra. I think the best person that mm. could step in would be Tugger. If he had a switch up. Oh, interesting. 
you know, he's the party Instead guy, fun, like, and then yeah, all of a sudden, yeah. surprise, the super villain. I thought about this one for a while, and I kind of went back and forth between the twins, mm. who I thought could be like, they're so creepy and ominous that they could have like some fun with it. I didn't think about Cassandra, but that's a really good answer. I always think about Bustifer just being the money behind McCavity's crime gang anyways. Yeah. So I'm like, eh, he could Tony Soprano his way and actually become <laughs> the, the villain, you know? Like, he could become the mob boss. Um, I like Cassandra. That's a really good answer. I hadn't thought about her. I just think it would be interesting to see her be the villain, you know, because she's so mm-hmm. beautiful and so, like, just wonderful. And then all of a sudden to kind of have a switch up. And, like, I'd be curious to see what that that would look like. You know, and what yeah. the dynamic would be. Yeah. I wonder, there's also maybe a Demeter with like her backstory being her villain or- origin story almost mm-hmm. of like, it's not now, but we're, if it, she's going to go because Bomb's going to bring her on the right path, but she could go on the wrong path and almost do that. You could also have a Grizabella villain story, which is probably my, my version of Cats anyways. Yeah. I think the other thing too is if you had Demeter as the villain, it would be really cool during the McCavity fight when Monkestrap finally is like off the car boot and slides down the stage. If Demeter gets up and like takes one like hit and takes McCavity out, I think that would be so, so badass. If Demeter's yeah. just like, I've had enough of this, you know, I'm over with it. I'm done being traumatized. Like this is it. And just one slash and McCavity is gone. I like that. Uh, it fits the story too. Like it would definitely fit in of like, this is her revenge for mm-hmm. all that McCavity has put her through. I'm going to, we'll pitch it. We'll pitch it for the next staging. Sounds good. <laughs> next time it goes on tour, we're going to be like, we're going to be like, all right, we have some one, ideas. One minor, <laughs> one minor change here. This isn't going to change much, but yeah. you know, McCavity's still going to get, get, a, you know, we're going to get rid of him, but we're going to add one other fighter. Yeah. Um, okay. Million dollar question. I've argued at length. I don't think Grizabella is the right Jellical choice. So do you want to defend Grizabella or who are you as Aiden going to pick as your Jellical choice? Million dollar question. I've been thinking about this a lot the past couple of days and just like in general, <laughs> um, because I want to have the right answer. Selfishly, I want to be like Play-Doh, of course, because like I want to be able to ride the yeah. tire and do the whole thing. But um I think Plato doesn't have a vote yet, so you could be the first Plato vote. Yeah, but I can't really like back him up. Like I, I don't really have <laughs> much to offer when it comes to the reason why. Um, I would really, I have two different answers, of course, with everything. If we were to keep Grizabella as the one, the chosen one, the heavy side layer, the everything, the starting again, all of that, I wish there was an opportunity to see what she does with it. You know, mm, after she comes yeah. back, what exactly, what is different? How does she, you know, take this opportunity? But then it's also like, we kind of get a glimpse of that with her younger self being syllabub or like portraying or like kind of alluding to that. So that would be the only thing if I would defend her, I would just want to see what happens. Um, yeah. And if it weren't her, I really, on the same line, I would really like to see Gus have mm-hmm. a second chance. And I wish there was a moment to kind of see that life again. You know, see him. I know we have peaks and pollicles and we get to have a display of like him when he was in his limelight and everything was wonderful. But I would love to just go into his story. I don't know why I'm so drawn to Gus in so many ways, but I just, I wish I could see that full story. 
from like a kitten all the way to when we get to Gus the theater cat. Yeah. It's that's an interesting version of it. Of like, cause I always thought there's a baby Grizz in some of the dance numbers in the ensemble in the beginning. And that's, I've always thought that that could be like the parallel of her, what mm. she is as, um, as a kid, but I kind of like the, I've always thought there's a lot of ways to write cats too, but your kind of like idea is fun, which is like, let's let them die. And then let's like make them start from scratch and see if we can build to their life. And I just like envisioning this, like both Grizz and Gus kind of have that same path without the fall but it's like all right we're gonna watch them as a kid doing theater growing up and then they're gonna be um fighting for their first contract and doing tiktoks until they can make it and serving (laughs) coffee you know like with their survival (laughs) jobs like yeah like then they've got to then they're gonna like make it and then they're gonna be the superstar and then then they're gonna get to gus or they're gonna go down the path and they're gonna get to grizabella so i do kind of think that's kind of a fun way of like what is a modern version of the next, like the reborn life of cats look like from today forward. But wouldn't it also be interesting if when they were reborn, they, I mean, maybe this is how it actually works. I could sound really dumb saying this, but they come back to like, everybody else stays the same, you know, and then they come back into the same exact tribe with everything. And then it would be interesting like from Plato's point of view, to get to watch Gus the theater cat, get to watch him be chosen for the heavy side layer, and then shortly after get to see all of a sudden there's a new kitten, and it's not Gus himself. I mean, it is, but like realizing like, oh, I just saw him as this this elderly cat, and now I'm seeing him, and he's younger than me. You know, he's like a little kitten, and getting to like yeah. enjoy that from all the different perspectives you know from respecting him to being like oh i need to like show him the ropes a little bit well and i think i think it was hyla that said that she thought she was last year's choice and that's Mm. why victoria kind of gets this like part of her story is that she's getting the beginning of her story because she was the choice last year so i do think there is some merit to that of like what does the like they you get reborn into the tribe what does that look like and it's a whole different like this is where like the fans and the performers like we think about it but there's no way i think chrissy and trevor and andrew Lee weber are thinking about that they're mm. like no the show ended and <laughs> i started writing my next show you know like and that's what it is started, <laughs> yeah that's all it is it's all you need to know but it is kind of fun but I'm, I'm not gonna let you off the hook though you made two answers i i do keep track so who are you putting as your one vote i'll give i'll let them both get a vote but like who's your top choice is it grizz or is it gus a gus Going with Gus. I love it. We're going um, with Gus. Slowly catching up. I'm, he's not quite there. Grizz still is leading, but I'm slowly getting Gus closer and I'm getting non-Grizz's closer. So it's, it's closer to 50-50. Who is, who is the cat that is like, do you have any cats that have zero votes? Of course, probably. Oh, a bunch. Yeah. A bunch. Pretty much all the kittens and a lot of the ensemble. Like the ones that aren't household names are usually there. I can tell you who has votes as of today um so this is literally i mean last of the time we're recording grizabella has about half 40 45 percent gus has about a, a little over a third and then mccavity skimbleshanks old deuteronomy cassandra and syllabub each have more than one vote and then there's a bunch that have one vote and some of them are just purely jokes yeah and others are like very thoughtful hmm. but I have Victoria, Demeter, Bustifer, Monk, 
Baby Grizz, Jelly Lorem, The Rumpus Cat, Mungo Jerry, Rumpelteaser, uh, Mistopheles, Tugger, and Tumble Brutus all have one vote. So there's been a wide range. Interesting. Now, you get to some of them, and it's like, the Rumpus Cat was one of the Lou Burger guys making a joke because they just don't know many of the names. And some <laughs> of them are like, there's there's like a very unique, thoughtful reason as why, but it's very specific to that to that guest. Totally. But it's pretty much a Gus Grizz conversation. Like that's that's the battle that's happening. They should go together. We could choose two cats. <laughs> I so my original joke that started this podcast was I wanted it to be I saw Leona Lewis in 2016 and I wanted an X Factor like version of cats, which is let's vote by the audience with Simon Cowell as the judge. And that show has a very long history of making boy bands and girl bands, like like combining soloist into a One Direction or a Fifth Harmony. Yeah. So I wanted to send uh, Tugger and Mistopheles together because I was like, they would make a really fun boy band. <laughs> and they're like already friends. They're already like kind of together. Yeah. Their two numbers are jams. Like they would be fun. So that was my original answer with the two of them. And then it's like, well, wait, there's no like real argument for them besides that like joking way. <laughs> so then I'm like, no, my real argument's Gus. And my yeah. real argument is Gus with Grizabella going the year after because she can spend the year with her family now that she's been accepted, have some birthday parties, go hang out, like reunite with her family and then be next year's choice. I love that. So that's where we're at today. Um, my goal is to one day get an Edwin Drew style cats where, you know, it would be perfect for tour, go on tour, give everybody a little buzzer at their seat, get to the end of the show. And right when he's about to make his choice, let the, let the audience vote. And then a different cat goes every night. That would be so fun. That would be so fun. Depending on who, I also think it would be fun for you as performers. Cause it's like, who's going to bring it tonight? Yeah. Like. To like earn the right of being the Jellicle choice. And then when you finally get chosen for the first time, you're like, I get to ride the tire. I get to leave. You get to oh go my up. God. Yeah. And then the people who don't get chosen all tour, you know, they're like waiting. It's like almost closing. Yeah. They're like, please, someone, please choose I can, me. I, what I think would be fun though is because there's definitely some cats that like are going to, are going to have a very hard time winning because mm-hmm. like, you just don't know who they are. But then you start thinking like, all right, now that performer, we're at their hometown. We're in their city. They're going to invite their whole group, like dance group growing up yeah. and they're all their family. It's like, this is their night. Like they can rig this to be, to be the night that they're chosen by telling hundreds of people that they invited to go. So I think it'd be fun. I think it'd be super fun. And it wouldn't be that hard to do because you would just have that moment where after memory and you're about to go to the tire swing. You just pause and let everyone vote. We're and like frozen on you're stage. All, yeah, you're all <laughs> on stage. Like at that moment, everybody's on stage. Yeah. And so the only hard part would be is if like a buster for one or somebody where you've already made that change. Mm, it's a good point. Um, but I just, I don't think Busfer's winning. No. And, Gu- you know, because that's Gus. Like Gus is going to go over bus for any day of the week. Yeah. I feel like no matter if they chose. Yeah, I think Gus would go. I think Gus would honestly win like more frequently than than we would think. Like I think that Gus would take take the prize most nights. The only thing that has that goes for this, and I think you see it skewed as you watch. I used to watch a lot of America's Got Talent, American Idol, like all those shows. They usually save when the voting opens the minute the show ends. They usually do save one of the better performers for the very last moment. 
Mm. And so Grizabella would have, I think, an inherent advantage that you're going to literally see memory. You're going to have heard the whole story and then you're going to vote. So like, she's got that moment where it's like, I just watched this incredible performer belt, probably one of the only songs that most people know, like yeah. the, the casual fan is going to know. And so I think it gets interesting. I, I would love to do it because my theory is, and we're seeing it is that she's not the shoe in win every single night. And I bet it would be, I bet there would be some fun. And I just think it'd be so fun for his performers for you all to have like the, this like, all right, if I really bring it today, like I got a chance to go up there and like have some fun and it doesn't really change much of the show. Cause you still just say the, you know, the endings, the, the, what where cats, not dogs kind of like just ending anyway. So yeah. you can, so you could definitely have somebody go up and then sing the ending and be done. Totally. It's, I One like day. it. I think we should do it. One day, Andrew Weber is going to reply to me and <laughs> we're going to do this, but so far he's ignored all of my messages. Um, but no, this has been super fun. I love learning a lot about Play-Doh. I had not dug as much into Play-Doh as I think maybe we should. There's probably more there. So thank you for doing that with us today. Of course. Thanks for having me. It's been a blast. And how can people stay in touch with you on social media and kind of keep up with everything you're doing? Yeah, of course. Um, my Instagram is just my first and last name, Aiden Pressel. And yeah, that's mostly, I think that's actually all my social media platforms. But I'm awesome. exciting things are coming. We'll tag everything. Great. Yeah, we'll tag everything and uh, make sure people can stay up. And again, thank you for for sharing everything and uh, and being a great guest. Of course. Thank you so much. It's been a blast. Awesome. And thanks everyone else for listening to this episode of The Wrong Cat Died, the podcast breakdown of the Catastrophe. To follow along, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere else to listen to podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at The Wrong Cat Died, or check out our website, thewrongcatdied.com. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.